You're listening to an ACA podcast. I first learned of the Linguistic Survey of India, LSI Audio Archives, through an online news report, a piece I stumbled upon nearly a decade after it was published. Rare audio of Raj era, Linguistic Survey, now just a click away, the story announced. Tucked away in a server of the Digital South Asia Library at the University of Chicago, the audio recordings had been digitized from a heap of gramophone discs found in a long-lost and forgotten trunk in the British Library in London. The discovery of the dusty records was purely accidental during the process of shifting the library's collections to their new premises. It struck me that alongside the records, there were countless other firsts stacked in here. The publication divulged that it was the first to report in 2006 about the efforts to digitize the archives, which has been put online by the Digital South Asia Library recently. Rewinding further back in time, I landed at this first news report, century-old sounds just a click away, it echoed, in anticipation of the headline that was to be only a few years later a compressed history of firsts, and a series of chance encounters in speech reproduced and looped all over again. The LSI, the inaugural survey of its kind, was an ambitious colonial project spearheaded by George A. Grierson, an Irish linguist and administrator in British India. While it was conceptualized as early as 1894, uh, with an intent to capture the diversity of languages and dialects in the subcontinent, the actual process of collection only took off around 1914. An assortment of voices, sounds, and utterances from all across the subcontinent were captured as part of the venture. Spanning more than a decade with intermittent halts, pauses, and disruptions, the challenging process of recording transcription and cataloging voices across the territory finally came to a close in 1928. The Mammoth Project generated a rich collection of language samples in the form of songs, poems, music, tales, folklore, and above all, a multitude of voices. Browsing the web archive, I tried to make a sense of the lists of linguistic classifications, descriptions, sets, and subsets based on region, year, narrator's province, and duration. 97 recorded languages and dialects, 11 volumes, 242 gramophone discs. As I scanned through the list of digitized records from the survey, I wondered, what is an archive of languages? When does it become one? What can it preserve and subsequently unearth? How does it feel, breathe, and sense? From the moment of utterance to being seized as material, what does it register and endure? In the process, how does it hold? and keep an account of stockpiled, segregated, meta-tagged, and organized languages of labor and bodies, claim and extraction, capture and retrieval. Can the process of extracting and canning languages be merely one of preservation? As they stay locked in material archives for decades, do they change, ripen, shimmer, mature, mutate? The very first time I entered the archive and played a slice of sound from it, it swallowed me whole. As I swirled and pirouetted around in it, I could hear the room that the recording took place in. I could smell the shellac in the air and taste the unease and hesitation of the speaker facing the recording apparatus, perhaps for the very first time. Clenched fists, sweaty palms, 
gentle tremors in the voice, a fleeting stutter, a light wobble. The record was titled, Beauty of the Beloved and the Longing of the Lover, from the Hyderabad district, recorded in 1919. Cindy, a poem illustrating the peculiar consonants and vowels at the Training College for Men, Hyderabad, Sin. So, Oda Mutur, Hajara Sutta, Vilhame, Chota, Bhare, Kapoor, Pere, Aunapudi, Abalude Nabur, Jayante, Jari, Asur, Sanjay, Sajana, Satya. As the play had moved, I heard the glimmer of another voice within the crackles of the recording. Further ahead, a faint whisper emerged from the depths of the hisses, fuzz, and static. Snatches of words, mutterings, and saturations filled the air. Like wisps of smoke, the fragments appeared and disappeared. In the crackle were murmurs of time, unsettling the very distinction between surface and depth, between background and foreground. The imprints of a nervous sigh, the impatient clucking of a tongue, bursts of broken babble, it was all impressed on the surface of the disc. As I drift through these sonorous occurrences, um, serendipitous encounters, moments of recording, reprisal and reproduction, I try and imagine the operator crisscrossing across the subcontinent with the apparatus in tow, unable to stop recording, a restless movement, ceaseless murmurs, microscopic speech acts being inscribed on the uneven terrain of the sound object. Sample, play, pause, repeat. Cindy, a poem Military area. You're being watched. Armed response to trespassing. Any resemblance to actual persons, living or dead, is purely coincidental. No animals were harmed. To whom it may concern. In the anechoic chamber, you become the sound. We would like the readers to know that this piece contains testimonies about state and military violence in a conflict zone that might be distressing for some people. Air witness one. One. As teenagers growing up in the 90s, we spent hours listening to the sounds of two bullets. We would play a little game, distinguishing the sound of one weapon from the other and trying to ascertain who is firing. Point 303, AK-47, SLR, 4, and LMG, UMG. 24, horn of a military jeep. During a crackdown after men would be asked to assemble outside in an open space, 25, they would be frisked and paraded before a row of military gypsies. Masked informers called cats, 26, would be sitting in these jeeps. A honk from one of these jeeps meant that the person identified, 27, would be taken by the army to an undisclosed location. It could mean torture, death, or disappearance. Air witness two, one. Nights were marked by rumors, fear, and commotion in the village. Ghosts of the folklore had certainly, too, become real. It was part of the military's psychological operations. In defiance, we would, three, bang our tin roofs and drums, signaling each other to be vigilant, forging a sense of togetherness, four, 
and community. 18. One night we heard army vehicles coming to a screeching halt near our house. Searchlights darted, 19, across our windows. We heard sounds of jackboots marching by our house to the nearby fields. After 20, sometime, we heard a person crying in the dead of the night. Ka chuna nebar neeriv? Ka? 21. Bachayiv? Ka neeriv? Buchusayiluk? Is anyone listening? Somebody please come out and save. 22. Me. I am from the neighboring village of Sail. I remember these cries vividly. No one slept that night, 23, and no one dared to come out. Next, we heard a mine blast and the sound of the retreating vehicles, 24. As soon as a call for the dawn prayers reverberated from the mosque loudspeaker, people rushed out, 25, only to find that the person whose cries resonated in the night was killed. In the shade of the mighty, 26, Chinar trees. People gathered his bones and remains in a sack. Some of his body parts were still 27, lingering on the tree branches. No one in the village cooked meat for weeks. Air Witness 3, 29. We live near the highway and the continuous rumble of the passing military convoys has become, 30, a permanent part of the suburban soundscape. 34. Chag is a certain disruption, an interruption, helter-skelter. You could be playing, walking to school, or 35, running an errand, and certainly the approaching military jeeps would mean there is a chug. 36, someone like a passerby would announce it in a state of commotion, and everyone would run, run. 37, run, run, run. To any random house, towards any refuge, one alley to the next only, to run into 38, paths that turned into cul-de-sacs. Air Witness 4, 1, do you remember chug? For the longest time, I thought chug was a gunshot or a particular two object, only to realize it is the sound of mayhem, havoc, uproar on the streets, a certain disruption, three people running, and then an abrupt silence, a cacophony followed by an airy quiet, nine. A distinct sound memory, summer of 1993 or 1994. An afternoon cracked down, distinct sound of women talking, crying, screaming, sloganering in unison, sculpting a haunting rhythm of its own. 40. Do you remember the Booth incidents? People said these ghosts were sho with sh wore shoes with springs, and they, 41, jumped from roof to roof. This was India's Operation Ghost. I remember in defiance, everyone, 42, started banging tin drums and canisters. Neighbors would whistle and cry out to each other. 46. Sound of the rocket-propelled grenade as I stood on the veranda of my house. Zoop! 47. It was summer. There was a bunker near our house and we heard rumors that it was going to be 48 attacked. We left our home and sought refuge in a nearby hotel. There was no electricity. I, just 49, remember the constant buzz of a swarm of mosquitoes and the uncertainty which gripped our lives. 62. Sound of an ambulance siren. 69. In 2010, Everlast's stone in my hand was set to the protest visuals from Kashmir and was widely circulated, similar to a video in which Everlast's song set to visuals from Palestine. You build your fighter jets, you drop your bombs. Still, I'm fighting with the stone that's in my hand. All the love that's in my heart and the stone that's in my hand. Air Witness 5. 4. I was nine years old at the time of the Kargil War. I wasn't there, but I went a year after. The shelling continued for a few years. Six, shells would travel over my village and hit the nearby mountains. Shoom, the sound of the seven projectile, followed by a blast. 
one could actually trace the trajectory of the shells at night. Air Witness 6, 29. Sound of military vehicles, the smaller 4x4 and the bigger truck. The speed of these vehicles was 30 crucial. Slow speed meant the routine patrol. But if these vehicles whizzed past, then suddenly 31 stopped. It meant trouble, 41. Sound of grenade guns, rocket launchers, mine blasts. 51. In 2019, people were tortured and their cries relayed on loudspeakers. This is already happening in 52, the 90s. Russia Rifles, RR, would torture people inside a school building or a camp, and we, 53, would hear the cries, but Pandra Punjab would perform open interrogations and torture and ask people, 54, to witness it. 61. Sound of the pumping of a kerosene stove was a sound we associated with torture. Am I audible? What is it like to hold in your hand the rubble of grief? It is only through the extraction that we have revealed what has been lost. What is it that we miss when we talk about extraction? Grief, of that which never was, or was never going to be, or was mired by the violence of a nationalism that demands narrow and homogenous renditions of a cultural identity. To grieve is a form of labor, one that has often been designated to women, the caste oppressed and trans communities in Tamil Nadu. So to sing in a caste influence and occupied context can be heard as an expression of resistance. There is a Tamil lament and grieving song called an Apari, a song I've heard only once, not knowing it at the time. These songs are not merely an emotional outlet, but provide a platform to speak out against social injustices. There's a lineage of Tamil resistance songs that form an echo, calling us in to hear stories of refusal beyond constructed time and place. Where broader historical timelines of India become fraught and contested amid the unveiling of these Kiliti objects, their histories gesture towards borders and traces of Tamil migration that rupture the confines of what was once known. What is it to have been told you don't exist and suddenly do? To take away a history is an act of supremacy. How do you reshape a body of culture? Round one. Chain four, join with a slip stitch in the first chain to make a loop. In the loop, chain four, double stitch, chain one, repeat this 10 more times. Join with a slip stitch in the third chain of the chain four. Pull the loop tight. For item in random dot sample, open bracket, sentences, comma, 10, close bracket, print, item dot text dot strip, dot replace. Round two, single stitch in the next chain one space. Chain one, double stitch in the same chain space. Chain two, double stitch two together in the next chain one space. Chain two, repeat this 10 more times. Join with a slip stitch in the second double stitch. Nouns equal, open square bracket, 
W for W in words if W dot parts of speech is equal to in quotes noun. Verbs equal W for W in words if W dot parts of speech equals in quotes verb. Adjectives equal W for W in words if W dot parts of speech equals in quotes adjectives. Adverbs equal W for W in words if W dot parts of speech equals in quotes adverbs. Past tense verbs equals W for W in words if W dot tag underscore equals VBD. Round three. Make a single stitch in the next chain space and chain seven. Single stitch in the next chain two space, chain three, single stitch in the next chain two space. Repeat this three more times. Chain seven, single stitch in the next chain two space, chain three, single stitch in the next chain two space, chain three, join with a slip stitch into the first stitch. People equals E for E in entities if E dot label is equivalent to, in quotes, person. Locations equals E for E in entities if E dot label is equivalent to, in quotes, location. Times equals E for E in entities if E dot label is equal to, in quotes, date. Apparatus equals E for E in entities if E dot label is equal to, in quotes, organization. Place equals E for E in entities if E dot label is equal to, Geographic location. For I in range three, print, open bracket, grammar dot flatten, open bracket, hashtag origin, hashtag close bracket, close bracket, print, open bracket, close bracket. In her essay, The Miner's Ear, Rosalind Morris writes of the significance of overhearing. She says, to understand the history and nature of gold mining in South Africa and elsewhere, one must listen for different and false or accidental resonances. The mere coincidence of frequencies that amplify each other. If one were to attentively listen to the false notes and incidental resonances contained in these multilingual samples, many more stories would tumble out of the crackles in the shellac. These minor tales would tell of the misgivings of the speaker, misadventures of the operator, confusions of the listeners, entangled within the structural violence of a society divided by caste, class, religious, and colonial lines. Nestled deep within hard-coded social structures engulfing the recorded object, these realities found a way to inscribe themselves into Grierson's recordings. An anecdote. The scholar Ganganath Jha, who was approached for the Sanskrit reading for the archive, was scandalized to hear that a Mlecha or lesser caste would be privy to his chaste Sanskrit. A demand was made for a certifiably Brahmin gramophone operator. The Raj, almost as unbending as Brahmins, refused. A compromise was reached. Jha sat in a room and spoke into a large, horn-like object that projected his voice into another room where the operator sat. 
Communication between the two was by means of a complicated system of switches to ensure that the operator didn't physically hear the Sanskrit. And that was enough to assuage the Brahmin guilt about speaking Sanskrit into a device that held the power to broadcast it into the world. An appendage to the above account was brought to my attention after a little more digging. It turns out that the other, that other than being asked to sit in a separate room, the operator was also given heavy metallic earplugs to wear, just to eliminate all possibility of him hearing any bits and parts of a language reserved for only the caste groups at the top of the graded hierarchy. However, the sophisticated arrangement ended up coupling with the metallic alloy in the earplugs to create a corrupt transmission. Like the principle of a diophony, in which parallel harmonies are interlocked together, the superimposed transfer of phonological units via the acoustic signal was a recipe for corrosion, slippages, misrecognition, and overhearings. This unintended synchronicity rendered the tympanic membrane sensitive to vibrations beyond the legible range beyond the audible, thus transforming the earplugs into a pair of extra receivers that could pick the inaudible frequencies and harsh tones from across the other room. While the actual translation remained inaudible to the operator, what he could overhear was a subdued conversation between Ganganajha and Grierson. Over the next hour, an intense dialogue unfolded around the tectonics of the colonial language, artistries of voice, geological shifts mapped to thoracic impulses, and the intricacy of vocal arrangements predetermined by caste purity as a parameter for lossless transmission into the future. As the gramophone operator tuned into the dialogue by means of the earplugs, he simultaneously found a way to record this channel separately. Distorting and compressing the surreptitous track over the original, he stacked away the coded cans for posterity. Many years later, the archaeologist T.C. Lethbridge, during his research around the stone tape theory, came across the Golgar, a granary in Bankipur, known for its extraordinary acoustic features due to its circular construction. Built in 1783, it is shaped like a beehive and never quite fulfilled its utilitarian function of storing grain owing to the loss from dampness, rats, and insects. It is chiefly remarkable for its reverberating echo, which answers to the slightest sound, a whisper at one end being repeated at the other. Lathbridge was attempting to investigate how natural environments and architectural features hold or record sonic events and the ways in which these acoustic memories get activated or replayed through the presence of specific human agents and psychic energies. As he saw images and plans of Golghar, it struck him that the architectonics of the space seemed to be constructed like the inside of a mouth. The valleys and ridges, nooks and crannies, all contribute to the sounding, shaping, and amplification of certain phonetics and syllables. Vocalizations that are produced to, due to the recurrence of lingual notations, in fact, over a period of time, start to alter the internal surfaces and shape of the palate irreversibly. The formulation of palate tectonics by D.C. Barker analyzed the voice as the prolonged phylogenetic impact product of the collision between the vertical spinal axis and the roof of the mouth in the course of evolution towards erect posture. In the spatial imitation of the vocal apparatus and in the presence of the phonograph operator, the granary was intended to become the crash site of the repressed extralingual phonetics discreetly activated and released from the linguistic records. 
Lightbridge decided to go to the site of Bankipur along with his team of audio forensic experts and archaeo acousticians. Once there, while digging and tuning into the inaudible frequencies in the uncanny insides of the space, the team found a set of bronze earplugs. Dated to the early 1920s, these were subsequently shipped off to London along with a few records, bags and papers found in the recesses of the granary. I saw them in a museum last year, throbbing away quietly in a glass vitrium. Type up a list of automated suggestions. Top 10 habits of a person, a successful person, a successful person in Hindi, a powerful woman, a successful student, a highly organized person, a millionaire, a good speaker. Slip stitch into the top of the first chain by sliding into this gap. Slide to unlock, pinch to zoom, tap to accept conditions. Companies have failed to patent hand gestures in the past, so they patent a protocol to condition the habits of the hands instead. The rest is recent history. The pundits have been investing in techniques that re regulate the habits of the mind for centuries. They say this allows us to manipulate the world so that our wishes can be fulfilled. The rest is recent history. Round four, single stitch, chain one, four double stitches, chain five double stitches, do this set in the chain seven loop, single stitch in the next chain three loop, chain four, single stitch in the next chain three loop, and in the chain seven loop, make five double stitches, chain three, and another five double stitches. Repeat this two more times. The great-grandfather used to bathe in the holy river every morning. After his bath, he would recite his shastras in the temple facing the ghat. Women in his family said he was an angry man. One morning, he saw a man who washed people's clothes for a living throw away some residue water by the side. The grandfather assumed it was direct directed at him and he just couldn't bear it. He had to stop himself from uttering abuses because it is considered a sin to abuse inside a temple. So he waited till he finished his recitation and then charged towards the washerman. He was an angry man. The rest is recent history. The other great-grandmother would peep through the kitchen window. She used to watch the husband stitch people's clothes and make wooden furniture for a living. There were no shelves in her kitchen. She often expressed the need for one, but the husband disagreed. Once, alone at home, she picked out the hammer and the chisel from the toolbox and carefully carved out grooves in the wall. She found a stray slab of stone lying on the street and pushed it into the wall. A new shelf was ready, but the grandmother was not sure how the husband would react. When the husband returned home in the evening and noticed the shelf, he stormed towards her. He was an angry man. The rest is recent history.
To create a song of echoic memory is an act of refusal of our originary history, nationalism, authenticity and citizenship. To create something that is purposely ambivalent and refuses indexicality. A lacuna looking for personal accounts of these objects and wares, searching for subjective experiences and banality that is invested in national glory, calling upon other sensitive experience in which a culture is embodied, remembered, mourned and preserved. Queerness, like sound, can be ambiguous. The temporality of nationalism is specific and haunting. A backward-looking glance runs the risk of being regressive and replicating conservative ideas of relationality and social dynamics. Imagination and ambivalence that dislodges that claim to be a pure and unsullied unearthing of this Tamil history. Air witness seven, one. The fullest, highest sound was unsound. We tried as much as we could to mute ourselves into two, complete silence when the troops would be patrolling or shouting or going on a rampage outside. The three loudest sound was silence, 29. Announcements of funerals from the mosque loudspeakers, 20. Urdu service of Voice of America, Radio Moscow, BBC, 22. Sound of protests, go India, go back. 38, I have become hyper alert and hypersensitive to sounds, even the slightest sounds, especially 39, the nights, riddled with uncertainty. Air witness 8, 1, the border is 10 to 15 kilometers away from Boniar, but it is on a hill. Continuous shelling and blasts, air shattering. Once in 1999, the shelling lasted continuously for about two months, three. Our cattle were destroyed, people were injured, villagers would leave their homes and assemble in four underground bunkers. It was loud, very loud, all the sounds together, goliang, golabari, dhamake, five, bullets, shellings, blasts. The blasts were frequent, quite frequent, tinnitus. After that, even the slightest of sounds would make us jolt, the sound of seven helicopters and jets, especially when they would fly low, was deafening. Air witness nine, six. Most days the military curfew was lifted in the evenings, silence followed by the ordinary sounds of life, seven people's voices, chatter, sound of traffic, people running errands, buying supplies, 12. In the morning, a police vehicle announced curfew and a shoot on sight order. For months, the sound 13 defined our every day. We would discern the sound of the rakshaks, lightly armored vehicles by Mahindra Defense Systems, from the one-ton military 15 trucks. 19. Troopers would attach the Constantina wire to their one-ton trucks, dragging it along the road, emitting 20 sparks due to friction. It produced a distinct sound, a cue indicating our streets were being barricaded 21 and turned to cul-de-sacs. 34. Sound of stones hitting the one-ton trucks, sound of 35, the tear gas firing, sound of pellet guns, pellet, pellets hitting the shop shutters, a certain shrill sound like 36 pearls hitting a metal object. 18. 
In 2021, a mysterious loud explosion-like sound was heard. I first thought something fell from the skies. 19, exploding our water tank. It felt like a roof would fall on our heads. I screamed. Some said it was, e Some said it was an 20 earthquake or a sonic boom. Others speculated that it might be the army testing their explosives, 21. The night before the months-long siege began on 5th August 2019, I remember the last phone call from 22, my brother in Delhi. He asked us to buy emergency stocks in the morning. All communication lines, 23, were snapped. We woke up to the sound of helicopters, police vehicles announcing curfew, and 24, imposition of section 144, silence. 27. In September 2021, Indian Air Force hosted an air show over Dull Lake. The drill before the actual 28 event went on for two to three days, continuous sound of the military jets, 30, sound of drones, and amplified sound of buzzing bees. It was clearly audible and distinct from 31, the helicopters. Air witness 10. Nine, at the time of the Kargil War, we saw bombs in the skies and heard the ear-piercing sounds. We heard we had to 10 evacuate our school each time the shelling would begin. We would assemble and seek refuge in 11, another nearby school, which had an underground bunker shelter. 13. A bomb fell close to our school in the backyard, leaving a gaping crater. All the windows were, 14, broken. The town was deserted, villages and homes destroyed. The shelling continued after 1999 as well. Pahard Pahard Pe, from 17, mountain to mountain, laughs. Thumping of shells hitting the mountains, it would, 18, shake everything. 33. Sound of the mortar bombs striking the mountains is predominant in my memory. The skies would be 34, full of smoke, a smoke horizon. Air witness 11. 1. I was born in Kargil in 1992. So many of our hills are occupied by the Indian army and not too accessible to people anymore. The border is very close to our village. Sometimes donkeys cross the border. 3. From 1999 to 2000, we heard constant sounds of artillery. Ooh, and then dum. Some shells would also hit the seven mountains. There was an underground bunker in our home and everyone would assemble there during artillery shelling. 28. Many of our goats were killed due to landmines and several people have also died. These are probably Russian-made mines and they are old now. Some of them were diffused recently. Once we were playing, 30, suddenly we heard a very loud and distinct sound later. We found a donkey had died, its stomach, 31, shredded. There was another donkey as well who was still alive, but people couldn't rescue it, 32, and later it died too. Air witness 12. 38. The sound of 50 to 100 troops walking, the way they would walk, stomping their boots, the 39 sound of their boots, hitting the ground, resounding authority and power, conveying a message, you are 40, the ones trapped in your homes, and we are roaming on the streets, stomping our feet in power, 41, freedom. We would. We would like the readers, we would. We would like the readers to know that this piece we would like the readers to know that this piece, this piece contains testimonies about state and military violence in a conflict zone that might be distressing for some people. What does it mean 
to engage with private and public experiences of technical activities, wherein the body performs controlled actions directed towards a precise goal, using tools to affect and move objects, sentient, sentient forms, information, and people. By listening to instructional speech vis-a-vis -vis syntactic filtering of words that signify a call to action, this experience posits how language as a technical system invokes attitudes that wrestle to share and make common, but also produce crisis within publics. Two hands are busy crocheting something with a thread and a hook. Open quote. Rather than seeing tools as what allowed the hand to change, driven by some sort of evolutionary force, the advent of tools can be understood as a way to keep the hands busy, to ground and focus the excess in the body. If the excess we have described is linked to sexuality, it is also caught up with the question of violence. And we can remember here that if we think of the hand itself as a tool, this lethal dimension is never far away. The hand that generously gives or thankfully receives is also the hand that can strike, punch, and pound." End quote. Hands, What We Do With Them and Why by Darian Leder. Behind is a laptop screen playing Shark Tank India. A voiceover is giving instructions to follow the crochet patterns. Open quote. The algebraic combinations looping back into the loom, converging with the intersecting threads of which it is already the consequence. Once they are in motion, cybernetic circuits proliferate, spilling out of the specific machinery in which they first emerged and infecting all dynamic systems, end quote. Sadie Plant. Just as the yarning hook iterates through a code to generate a textile, a natural language processing algorithm computes the grammar of signifying the self and the other. The instructional voice navigates through actions to grasp the techniques with which bodies enact power. Professor Shahid Amin notes, the survey was primarily to be a collection of specimens. A standard passage was to be selected for purposes of comparison. Its foundation was comprised of three specimens for every language and dialect. The standard translation, the passage collected locally for the full idiomatic range, and a list of words and sentences originally devised by the Bengal Asiatic Society in 1866. The template passage for translation was to be a version of the parable of the prodigal son, with slight verbal alterations to avoid Indian prejudices. The parable was chosen. Grierson coyly remarked in a footnote, because it contains the three personal pronouns, most of the cases found in the declension of nouns and the present past and future tenses of the verb. Is it not curious that this biblical tale of that which is lost and found again and again was used as a medium of translation for recording languages and dialects, some of which are not heard anymore. Meanwhile, glossolalia, known as speaking in tongues, continues to plague the latest line of conversational voice agents, imparted with the ability to clone 
comprehend and speak all languages for supreme efficiency and legibility. The online community help page is flooded with requests on how to get one's voice assistant to speak in reverse. Sample, play, pause, repeat. To sing is to incur, to interrupt, to make oral tradition sonorous and congruent with these objects. Imagine a connection across geography, across settings, across temporalities. To sing is an act of excavation in and of itself. What can we hear when we let sound be the mediator between past and present? Echoic memory is a metaphor for the sensory reminiscence and oral recognition of shared lineage, familiar and ineffable all at once. It's an attempt to make a memory that is individual and collective. An echoic memory song is an affective history, creating a sensory experience to rethink how bodies and objects are orientated in space and time. Is this a story of sounds, of listening witnesses, or of silences? Is this a story of audibility or inaudibility? What do you hear when coercion qualifies audibility? What sound does forced inaudibility produce? Is silence quiet? To whom it may concern? Quote, the Ministry of Home Affairs has approved the use of sound cannons, devices that can emit pain-inducing sound waves. Known as long-range acoustic device, LRAD, the use of the sonic weapon has been criticized world over as the sound can cause pain in humans and permanently damage hearing. Official sources said the ministry is clear that the warning tone won't cross the human threshold of pain and that the forces should be able to control its intensity. The ministry has directed the Central Armed Police Forces to start the process of procuring LRADs while stressing the need for development and manufacture of the, son of the sound cannons in the country. 162 decibels maximum continuous volume of sound cannons, 130 decibels usual threshold of pain, end quote. To whom it may concern, quote, residents of two villages around Chilora army camp say they did not sleep or have any food when they heard cries on a loudspeaker. They allege it was a village boy being tortured and the loudspeaker was put on to instill fear in the area. Since then the screams echo in our ears, end quote. To whom it may concern, quote, the motive was to inflict as much pain as possible, end quote, quote, torture cries mixed with music echoing in the air throughout the night, end quote, quote, the torture would be carried out amid loud music to overshadow the voices coming from the house, end quote, quote, at times adhesive tape would be used around the victim's mouth so that the cries wouldn't get mixed with the music, end quote. To whom it may concern. Tinnitus is the term for hearing sounds that come from inside your body rather than from an outside source. It's often described as ringing in the ears, although several sounds can be heard including buzzing, humming, grinding, hissing, whistling. In rare cases, the sound beats and sing with your heart, pulsatile tinnitus. Pulsatile tinnitus is a rhythmical noise you hear in your head and or ears that's usually at the same rate as your heartbeat, end quote. To whom it may concern. 
The term hyperacusis is generally applied to people who experience the sounds of everyday life as intrusively loud, uncomfortable, and sometimes painful, end quote. To whom it may concern, quote, a preponderance of firepower had thus been concentrated at Cargill, totaling 300 guns, mortars, and great BM-21 MBRLs. The latter in Russian means hailstorm, with 40 rockets packed on the back of a single carrier vehicle. The name is certainly appropriate, end quote. To whom it may concern, 250,000 shells, bombs, and rockets, 5,000 artillery shells, mortar bombs, and rockets, fired from 300 guns, mortars, and multi-barrel rocket, rocket launchers, 9,000 shells. Quote, on an average, each artillery bat battery fired over one round per minute for 17 days continuously, end quote. Boots against tarmac and bones, tinnitus after an explosion, inaudible, inaudible, inaudible. This number doesn't exist. Simon says, shut your eyes. Simon says, stomp your feet. Simon says, drop the bombs. Dialing, we all fall down. We all fall down. How many forms of silence can you identify in this chronicle? Stutter, beep, metal detector doorway. Am I audible? Dialing, sound of a weapon, sound as a weapon, sound as a mechanism to control time, sound as a disruption, sound as an index of violence, sound as violence. A little girl hiding inside her grandmother's cloak and creating an in-between space of safety against the thumping of the advancing military boots during a search operation. Sounds of liberation, sound as liberation stutter, beep. The jangle of keys in her mother's hands merging with the sound of the boots and the metal of the guns, ambulance sirens. A barrage of gunshots, grenades, bombs, loud thuds on doors and windows, heavy battering on the gate. Sound of the troops barging in. Paramilitaries occupying the living room, living room for hours to watch Mahabharata, a Sanskrit mythological epic on TV, as a little girl and her siblings wait on the porch. Shattering sound of the glass, whirring of hovering jets and helicopters, curfew announcements, a color broadcast of a massacre, drum beats in a military parade, buzz of the military, military wireless sets, paramilitary, paramilitaries idly listening to All India Radio, a song request radio program dedicated to the Indian troopers, dogs barking, cusses of drunken soldiers, drones, silence, rattling of the alcohol bottles dangling from the Constantina wire, inaudible, screeching sounds of the military trucks. Boot against the tarmac and bones, tinnitus after an explosion, inaudible, inaudible, inaudible. This number doesn't exist. Simon says, shut your eyes. Simon says, stomp your feet. Simon says, drop the bombs, dialing. We all fall down, we all fall down. How many forms of silence can you identify in this chronicle? Stutter, beep, metal detector, doorway. Am I audible? Am I audible? Am I audible? Thank you. Can we get a, another huge round of applause for Savani, Asma, Sharika, and Uzma? And for Capture All. It's been amazing. Thank you all.